Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. My name is Rachel Stevens. I'm here with my incredible, smart, amazing, um, handsome I'll husband, Zach. And we are so grateful that you've taken time today to really better yourself and to challenge yourself because we really believe that God has designed you for a purpose and your purpose is to win your world. And today is going to be incredible as we talk about some ways that we can really win our world practically. That's right. It's going to be amazing. Please subscribe, like, do all the things on whatever uh, whatever uh, platform that you're taking this in on. But also, uh, I want to encourage you, this is going to be a challenging uh, topic, what we're going to talk about the next two weeks. So I want to encourage you to share this, uh, but not just share it to challenge somebody else, but I want to encourage you to share it for a very specific purpose, which is to carry this out with somebody. Mm-hmm. You're way more likely uh, to accomplish a goal or an objective, uh, first, if you write it down, and second, if you have somebody you're doing it with. But before we get into the serious stuff, I thought we could do something fun. I've been seeing this, and it, I haven't, I haven't planned ahead or anything like that. Uh, but here I have gonna, no idea what's about to happen. I know, but, but I didn't want you to think that I had cheated and prepared. So I've been seeing people do these drafts, okay? So it's football season, right? And so all this stuff's coming up, and so it's a draft. So we're both going to draft our three favorite things about fall. So so your, your favorite things about fall... And so, and then so, and then what we'll do is in the comments, right? You guys can pick who you think won. So whoever has the better draft is the one who wins it. Does that make sense? Sure. That makes sense. Do we just gonna do one and one? Yeah, and yeah. One so and one? you'll okay. go, and then I'll go. So we'll. we'll I'll let, go we'll first. I don't want you to steal first. my first one. Okay. So what? It, what would be my your, first draft? Pumpkin spice lattes. Pumpkin spice latte. Really. Really We've got a lot of basic girls. Basic girls that on here. are on our podcast, okay. and we all know. Okay, do you feel like I attract the basic girls? <laughs> Me being a yes. Okay, um, <laughs> so okay, so you're so if you're gonna go, you're gonna that's go, my first. You're slot. gonna go niche audience. So um, I'm gonna yeah. go niche audience as well and say football. Boo. So you're gonna go pumpkin spice lattes. Sure. I'm gonna go football. What's your next draft pick? New wardrobe. You get to change your wardrobe. So you get to pull out so your jackets you, and your scarves. I was going to go with hoodies, but you can't. You, you took all of them. You took all, everything. Oh, I'm so sorry. You didn't think ahead. I did think ahead. You cheated. <gasps> so you did think ahead on what you were going to do. I thought ahead as you were talking. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I was thinking about my next pick. Okay, so you went pumpkin Pastor. spice latte. I went football. You went wardrobe. All clothes. Your new clothes. Which feels like cheating. It's okay, not cheating? so I'm going to go with uh, Thanksgiving. I'm going to go with cooler temperatures. Yours are so broad. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm going to win. Okay. No. What do I get when I win, by well, the way? Well, first of all, your, What's your third? yours have What's been your third? so generic. Um, so I'm going to say the changing of the leaves. Great. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like that was a weak one. <laughs> it was. <laughs> that was a pretty crappy one. <laughs> Well, you threw me off because you took you took you took like four or five things. You shoved them into one. Well, that is wisdom, my it's, friend. Well, it's cheating is what it it's is. It's not. I'm just a little more strategic. Than All you. right, guys. Well, you put when I win, the- Zach will buy me an early 21 days of Christmas present. I will not. I'll buy you a pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> Ooh, pretty much like we do every day. Okay, so day. yeah, put in the comments who you felt like won. Okay, uh, I'm really gonna need our guys to help me out here. Uh, pumpkin spice latte. I really should get. <laughs> Uh, really even some sympathy if you're the one that controls the budget at your house, right? Just from sympathy from that 575 that that costs every 
time. All right, so uh, we'll we'll keep on doing stuff like that. But I thought that was fun. That was uh, fun. That was a good win for me. I love All that. Right. I beat you. So as we keep on going, this has been a wild uh, but a sweet season of life uh, for sure for us specifically. I know everybody's watching this um, at at different times, but the topic that we're going to talk about, uh, and we'll see at least for the next two weeks, if not the next four weeks really fits specifically in this season of our life. And I'll tell you why, but also if you're watching this years from now, this is a very apropos topic for any Christian at any point, uh, because we believe that your purpose is, we know, we don't believe, we know that your purpose is to win your world from a biblical standpoint, from what Jesus asks us to do. We know that your purpose and our purpose is to win our world uh, with the gospel of Jesus. And so, but right now, uh, very specifically, we have just stepped into leading Faith Promise uh, Church. And so from a content and a focus perspective as a church, uh, we are starting that season out with revival. And so something that's been really near and dear to Rachel's heart, Rachel and my heart for for a long time, uh, would be revival, the desire to see that, and just asking God to uh, bring just that passion uh, to His church. And so that's what we're looking at from a full church perspective. And so, and there's so many parts about revival that we could talk about. One, of, Would you define revival? Because that means something different for everybody. Some people hear the word revival and they think tents and Southern Baptists. Some people hear revival and think you know, 1900s, 1900s, you know, things sweeping the nation. So for you, when you say the word revival, what, where should we have our, our view set? Yeah. And so revival, like revive is to bring something back to life. And so a revival is a fresh life breathed into God's church into the bride of Christ, which is the church. Um, and there are four things that we, so on a very like, uh, macro, like on a big level, it is this life and this focus and this passion for the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. where it's the apps, it is like it's not just said to be the most important thing, but the kingdom of God is the most important thing. But actually, as you study revivals, uh, which we have, there's four things that really mark revivals as you look back in church history. And so we won't tell a lot of, we, we might on, on the back parts of this tell some stories of revival and things like that. But I want to encourage you, if that's a passion for you, look at the series we're doing at Faith Promise right now, uh, Revival Town. We're going to tell some uh, stories of revival from church history. But also, I want to encourage you to read uh, some books. Those are some of my favorite books, like one I want to tell you about today, um, God-Sized Vision uh, by Colin uh, Hansen and John Woodridge. That is just uh, it, it's so exciting. It's so awesome. It's just fun. It, it really is. It's fun to see um, just the history of revival in the church. Um, however, there's four things that we always see in revival, and that is we see unity in the church, we see prayer in the church, we see confession in the church, and we see evangelism. Now, this is all the way from the Shengtun revival in China to the Second Great Awakening in Kentucky. Like these are the things that we see in every uh, in every revival. Those are four cornerstones that we see revival built on. But at least for the next two weeks, we're going to focus on what I believe is the most challenging part of those four in the church. And I would even suggest is the reason why the main reason why a lot of revivals stop. 
Um, it's, it's usually not from a lack of prayer um, and confession. And then unity is obviously a part of it. But I think by and large, evangelism is the lack thereof is the reason why either a lot of revivals don't go to the heights that they could or they stop altogether uh, because it's just re- revival is re- revival is obviously something coming to life like believers like getting this fresh wind but part of what perpetuates revival are people coming to know Jesus well, your dad's talked a lot, especially as we've walked through this transition season about things dying out and asking the question, hey, why did it die out? And churches will walk through transition and then look back and continue to say, well, in the good old days or back when so-and-so was here, things were different. And he um, has really just challenged us and I think a, a lot of people in our circles of one of the reasons that we lose passion and zeal and the desire to see something continue is because we become really self-focused in the middle of something like that. Uh, So when you experience revival, hey, why does revival die out? Because we stop looking outward to where, hey, this thing that's changed my life, I want other people to experience. And we start to, and everybody has a tendency to be selfish. We're all still trapped in our flesh. And there's this thing that happens in our selfishness, whether we acknowledge it or not, like we just recognize it or not, that we become so focused on the self and what we're experiencing and what we're seeing that we start to just forsake the other's portion. And so I think that um, I just have been really challenged by um, Dr. Big Daddy Mm -hmm. in the- Don't call call (laughs) In these recent days, hey, how much am I focused on others experiencing and walking in the same victory that I'm having, not just celebrating what God's doing in me, but how focused am I on bringing that to other believers in my circle and then people who are far from God? Your hair looks great today. You think so? I think it looks pretty good today. I had to dry shampoo it today. It was wild. (laughs) If you're not on YouTube, just imagine (laughs) what dry shampooed hair looks like. I don't know that I know the difference, but I I think you're, you're right. We're actually, before we started recording today, we were talking about uh, a challenge we had, you know, we have 12 campuses uh, and thinking, you know, because we believe that God's called us to launch churches and do this stuff. Mm-hmm. There'll be a day when we're serving over 100 churches or In campuses. Name, yeah. And then, but I can't, how many times we'll talk about something and like, I, I'll inevitably say, hey, this is why people choose to stop growing because they don't want to deal with this. Mm-hmm. They don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And that's easy to say when you look at like the organization of a church and you're like, oh, they shouldn't be that way. But I don't think anybody wants to be known as selfish, but you're so right. Like part of the reason that kills it is when it, cause, and I, I think that's an intense thing to say, but it is true that if you're not sharing your faith or prioritizing, you know, the, the, the gospel sharing it, that there's to some level, you're a selfish believer. Well, and lost, I mean, like people who are lost, they act lost. And people who've just given their life to Jesus, they're learning how to follow Jesus. And there's these unrealistic expectations we carry as if everything is just going to be smooth. And the reality is life is messy. Sin is messy. People are messy. And as much as we like to think highly of ourselves, we're, we are, no one is um, perfect. We've all fallen short and we, start to lose grace as we begin to walk in 
holiness and righteousness, something happens and that spirit of a Pharisee can get in so quick and snuff out revival because we become focused on the law in the midst of honoring God because we want to honor God and we love the Lord. And I don't think it's often out of, it's not out of spite. It's out of a desire to see the, the bride of Christ be beautiful and, um, set apart. But there's this, um, what's the word? Uh, the legalism Mm -hmm. begins to stir up in people and legalism is just snuff out revival because the the thing that God does is not in a box. And it's there are things that God has done in our life that we would never have done it that way. We have seen the miraculous, and there aren't words for it. And when we start to experience the things of God, sometimes we get uncomfortable. Yeah. And um, I would hate that we would miss out on revival, that we wouldn't share our faith because we weren't willing to be uncomfortable or we weren't willing to do something differently like God's way, maybe he's asking you to do something differently than you have ever done it before. And we would miss out on the greatness of God and community with believers and fresh wind uh, because we've lost our focus. Yeah. So uh, so we'll, we'll get to it, uh, but we believe that your purpose is to win your world. And part of winning your world, part of that two-step process is knowing who is next. And so really, we're never going to ask you to do something that we're not doing our best to do ourselves. And so as a staff at Faith Promise, we really strive to try to share our faith once a month. And so that's the goal. And and not that somebody gets saved every time that we do it, but we are trying to stretch to share our faith once a month. And I think we're on year two and a half or maybe almost three years of doing that. And really, we've learned a lot um, in trying to do that with the 85, 90 people on staff we've all learned really how challenging that it is. And so we're, we're consistently trying to find breakthrough um, in, in doing that. Because if, mm-hmm. if we can't figure out a way to get, you know, 85, 90 people to do it, how are we going to be able to mobilize, uh, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of people to do it, which is what the world needs. And so right now, as a, as, as a staff, we're going through this book called Before You Share Your Faith. So Before You Share Your Faith, because what we did, and this this would be, part of me, um, and part, part of my, uh, an issue, a challenge in my leadership is I just get so excited and it's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to lead the way. We're going to share our faith once a month. We're going to try to do that. And so, and just made that declaration, if you will. And so that's part where I want to make sure that you don't hear is there's just this, Hey, you have to share your faith. You have to do it every day. Um, and, and, and go and do that, even though that is the outcome that we want but, uh, or not that we want, that's the outcome that is mandated by Jesus in, uh, in Matthew, uh, 28, 17 through 20. Uh, but what we want to do is we want to slow down a little bit and talk about how we do that, uh, slow down a little bit and talk about the foundation. And so again, this is a book. If, if you're looking at something to do as a family or as a group, it's called before you share your faith. Um, and Matt, uh, Smith, Smithhurst, is that how you'd say that? Um, Smithers. Smithhurst. Smithhurst. Uh, sounds like Smithers. Um, but, uh, but this, this really the foundation of the bones that we'll use, uh, for the next few weeks. But something I really liked in this is this guy, if you've ever read a book on evangelism, this guy really sets up in, in the, uh, in the preface that he has a real challenge with books on evangelism. Uh, because it kind of brings up this, he calls a low-level guilt humming beneath the surface that whispers, you, Matt, are a lousy and inconsistent evangelist, which 
I don't know anybody that hasn't felt that way. And you pro if, if, if the law of averages is true, uh, you probably feel that way. And that's because if the enemy could attack, attack anything and pull one thing out of a believer, it wouldn't be prayer, even though it's important. It wouldn't be reading the word, even though that's important, but it would be the action of sharing your faith. It'd be the action of doing that. And so just before we get started, before Rachel, if you before we set up really the first uh the first building block, something that I wanted to make sure that we knew is this is a pre, this is a pre-book. Like this is something to prepare you to go out and to do it. And so what I'm hoping over these next at least two weeks, if not three or four weeks, that there's something foundational built in you. Um, and so this is not going to be like a two plus two plus two plus two equals four. So you do these four things and people get saved, but it's something in you like that. It makes it, makes it what? Did I say twos instead of ones. No, you said two plus two plus oh, two. That'd one. be six. I meant one. I was doing the math. Sorry. I meant to say one, uh, step by step either way. <laughs> Math is not what we're talking about here, okay, guys? Get over it. Um, but uh, but so something I just thought was was great is this is really something before um, really going to the core of the reason that we don't share our faith. And so, Joe, just before, this isn't going to be like a, hey, you do these things and this is the perfect outcome, but this will be, hey, asking you these foundational questions within yourself. And the first one, is what is your grasp of the gospel? And yeah. so you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I we really appreciated how um, Matt set this up in the book. And what he did was he broke the gospel down into four parts. And he calls it the ruler, the revolt, the rescue. The ruler, the revolt, you had it. The rescue and the... Uh, I had it, and the response. Response. And so, Sorry. actually, if you're a believer, I just want you to stop for a second. So, the ruler, right? The revolt, the rescue, and the response. I want you to stop. If you're a believer, just pause real quick and see if you know what all those things are. So, like in the gospel, what are those things? So, like what? So, who is the ruler? Yeah, who's the ruler? What is the revolt? Right? What is the rescue? And then what is the response? And I would say, because for some reason, including myself, for some reason, there is this fountain of insecurity when it comes to the gospel. Which is so interesting because you've walked with you. I mean, like, I mean, we'll just look at you You're in particular. Me? Yeah, just you. Uh, for people who have followed Jesus, you know, you know the Lord. Like you knew the gospel when you got saved. You heard it. You believed it. And I I would say it's, in, I just think it's an interesting thought to say, hey, why do I feel so insecure about the gospel? Mm -hmm. And figure out why. Is it because, hey, you know, I, do I have doubts and I haven't wrestled with those? Is it because I feel guilty because I have doubts and so I don't want to talk about it because I don't have answers? What is it for you that brings – so like for you, do you know like why – what is it that makes you feel insecure about that? Well, I think there's two things. One is there the, the, the whole Ephesians 6 deal is that your battle is not against flesh and blood. And so it's not – it. the main thing is not a natural thing. So mm -hmm. like I think – Anybody out there who's married, you know that you should pray with your spouse. You know you should pray with your spouse. How often do you do it? Mm -hmm. How often do you grab hands before you go to bed and just pray? Because for us, it's 
it's it's hardly ever, which is my fault. And I and I'm I feel very comfortable praying. But so you so whenever you're whenever you feel comfortable doing something, whenever you know you have the answers, and there's not any natural reason why this feeling exists, you go back to Ephesians six. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and principalities in the heavenly places. There's a there's a spiritual warfare which is we can't ignore that. There's a spiritual warfare when it comes to this. So, I, but but that that's what I want to make sure we bring up because I think that most believers could answer those questions. The ruler being God, mm-hmm. the revolt being our sin, the the um, rescue. the rescue being Jesus on the cross, and then the response is, will we receive His salvation or not? Yeah, I think everybody get that. But then on a more natural deal, I feel like there's been this this subtle subversion to make your you're you're kind of dumb if you believe in the gospel. Oh yeah yeah. You're 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 kind and again I, the the biggest caricature of it is kind of Bill Nye. You know like the if you believe that God created the world and that Jesus died like you're you're kind of dumb. And I don't think that anybody wants to be seen or felt as dumb and nobody likes to be asked a question and be seen as be seen like not knowing the answer and being wrong. So I think on a spiritual level, the enemy doesn't want us to do it. So there's an attack towards it. And then on a natural level, I don't think we want to be seen as dumb or not have an answer. And so we're just not willing to put ourselves out there. Well, and we need to reconcile that there is, you know, that's why God asks, you know, I don't serve man. What is it? Where Paul says that he talks about he doesn't serve man, he serves the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that there is an idol of man than um, a fear of man that is greater than the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we have to just like own where we are and ask the Lord to transform our hearts and then step into obedience as he does that. What, what about, what about for you? What, what would, what does or keeps you from sharing the gospel? Oh, a fear of rejection. I, I don't like even like, being, it sounds silly, but anything that I feel like even would cover rejection, even within our family or anything, where I feel like I'm, I didn't do a good job, and I feel like a failure, or you didn't want it, and so you just don't want me, and so it's just being selfish, really, you know, making sharing the gospel about you. But yeah, um, and I don't want to lose relationships. There are people who are very close to me, um, you know, that we've shared the gospel with, and we're grateful that it, you know. It didn't become this, well, because you are this way, then I'm not going to have community with you. But it is, um, sometimes that does happen. There are people who say, I don't want anything to do with you because of what you believe and think. And uh, that, the fear of loss and rejection is is hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, the first thing that we want to make sure when it comes to you sharing your faith is your grasp of the gospel. And the and th- this really is this is the crux of Christianity. So again, a- and we, we could there's a bunch of staff members at Faith Promise. We don't believe the same thing when it comes to creation. You know, some of, some of the people that I respect the most, like we we see it differently. All yeah, the things, older, yeah, newer. and we could talk about all that. But this is the part where they're like everybody agrees on these things. Well, or or you don't believe in Christianity. So like Correct. it all like the foundation of all of it is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Like that that's where it is. Mm-hmm. And so and again, there there's a lot to be built on. There's a lot to discuss around it, but I want to make sure that you can say with confidence 
that I grasp the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so and so that you grasp the gospel that there is a ruler, that there is a that there is a God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that there was a revolt, right? So that there so whenever because that God is perfect and because we sin, we choose we chose our own way, you know, uh Romans 323, all mm-hmm. have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's a separation between the ruler mm-hmm. and us because of the revolt. And so because of that revolt, there had to be a rescue, which was Jesus living a perfect perfect life on the cross. The big theological word is propitiation, the payment for our sin, right? So the perfect ruler, the revolt where we were separated from that ruler, and then there was a rescue to pay for our sins. And it may seem crazy like a like a like a, a bloody mess that Jesus had to die on the cross. But Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. So somebody had to pay the price of our revolt so that we could be in relationship with that ruler, ruler, revolt, rescue, and then our response. Romans Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess through the mouth the, the response and believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead. You will be saved. I just want to just take a moment and just that believers, whenever we, whenever somebody says, do you grasp the gospel in a way where you could tell somebody about it, right? Not can you have all the answers because everybody has different answers. But I think there's something intrinsically and foundationally about us where we have to be able to say or get to the place where we say, I have a grasp of the gospel. Well, and I think there's a couple of really helpful thoughts to consider. So when you talk about those four places, so you have the ruler. Hey, you were created by God. God created humanity to be in relationship with them. But there is, and I love this quote, he says, the story of your life, being totally satisfied by God, treasuring him above everything is what we were designed to do. But that does not describe your life. It doesn't describe mine, that I'm totally satisfied in God above everything else. What happened? And that is where we where we start to discuss sin and the revolt. So really, um, if if we can get to the place where we say, hey, this is a part of the gospel story is that you were created by God to be in relationship with him. You were designed to be totally satisfied in God alone. And something happened that broke that satisfaction. And that's sin. And sin deforms our hearts and disorders our loves. And we don't sin. We're not a sinner because we sin. We sin because we are a sinner. Mm-hmm. And that's a. I think that's a really big distinction. It wasn't that you sinned and now you are broken. You were. You came into the world broken. You came into the world in need of a savior. And so I just want us to like consider for a second. Well, why does this matter? Why does the ruler matter? Because you were designed to be totally satisfied by him. And you can say as a believer, I am in a journey to being um, made whole and being satisfied by Christ alone. But sin makes some things hard. And that is the rebellion. It's a relational. It's not behavioral. And um, I think that's something that we miss a lot of times when we talk about sin is we make it about, well, you do the wrong things. But one of the things that Matt does really well in this book is he he makes a, he says this thought is that um, sin is more relational than behavioral. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God, it wasn't a behavioral boo-boo. 
it was a heart level betrayal. And the second thing about sin is that it's more vertical than it is horizontal. That horizontal effects can be devastating from sin, and we've all experienced those. But sin is fundamentally a heart problem. And David says that, you know, he confesses well, and we see that um, Matt references here, Psalms 51, 3 and 4, that um, David says, I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And David had done some stuff that was evil in other people's sight too. Mm -hmm. But I just think for us, when we talk, I think this is the hardest thing is, especially in today's culture is, hey, sin is not necessarily about behavior. It's about our hearts. Mm -hmm. And it leads to behavior that dishonors the Lord. But at the end of the day, you were designed to be satisfied by God. And that satisfaction is disrupted because of sin. And that sin, because it's uh, relational, boo-boo, not yeah. just behavioral. Yeah. So I, I just I, I think that there's something really powerful and really freeing for us to be able to say, hey, I have a grasp of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that there, there's there's something that makes it want to feel so complex. And I believe that, again, there's a supernatural part of that where there's the Ephesians 6, that there's a, a battle going on around mm-hmm. that. There's the natural where, again, the, the, the enemy does not want people to feel empowered to share the gospel, to be able to do that. And so, again, just, just to make it, I, I just feel like we— a lot of us learn well being able to have like kind of step by step. And so the gospel, now each one of these, like there's a, there's a, a, like a, a bunch to learn in, inside of all of these, but yeah. from, from, uh, from ruler in God to the revolt, to the rescue, to the response. Well, and the response is not, I need to get out of jail free card. I don't want to be separated for eternity from God and be in hell. Jesus is infinitely more than that. He is a, he was, was and is a living person to be followed. And I think sometimes when we um, have hurt, maybe ourselves share the gospel, we've hurt ourselves, hey, I just don't want you to go to hell. But it's about more than that. There's more mercy in Christ than there is sin in you. And he is more than just something that gets you out of punishment. He is a, he's going to transform you from the inside out. He's someone to follow, not just something that's going to get you what you want. Yeah. And, and again, like there, there are, there are arguments within all these things like, is there is there uh, is there a God and does sin really matter? Like like there's mm-hmm. arguments with all these things, and so. But which, this is for you before you share the gospel. Hey, yeah. am I sh- like? Do I know it? Right. Well, and I, I would even I would say obviously it's good to have a scripture with all those things be able to point back to God's word. Uh, but what I really want to encourage you to do as you are grasping the gospel um, is to grasp what the gospel has done in you. Mm-hmm. And so like there's the ruler that that there there's a one true God, there is the revolt that we've sinned, there is the rescue that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for our sins, and there is the response whether we'll choose it or not. But then something and Steve Kerr, one of one of our friends that he makes a big deal about when he's teaching students to share their faith is to make to really major on what happened after. You know, Romans 12, 2 says that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, but it seems like we we major on this. If we share our faith, we get stuck on these, 
but like these set up the gospel that leads to a new life. But we don't talk about the new life. Yeah, that so like good. I was really selfish and now I'm selfless and I see other people um, as God's kids. Or I was lazy and now I'm hyper motivated because I know that God has planned and prepared things for me to do and I want to do them and I want to honor them. And, or I used to have really low self-esteem, but Psalm 139 says that he put me together piece by piece and I believe in myself because God believes me and made me on purpose. But I, I just, I think that whenever... Because for me, it really helps me in my confidence whenever I'm preparing to share the gospel or things like that in my grasp of it, not just on an intellectual level, but a transfer, a transformative level of this is what that means for me, you know? And so kind of going all the way to in the response part, what has been the outcome of you responding? You know, I, I think that's a big part of, because again, Sharing the gospel is not an intellectual pursuit. You know, Paul says that he didn't come to, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, he didn't come with wise and persuasive words, but he came with he came with manifestations of power. And so like life change in your life or in other people's lives, that, those are manifestations of power. And if we would live that way, um, you know, then the 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 grasp of the gospel wouldn't so much be a debate, which we don't want it to be a debate. Mm -mm. I know that's what gets celebrated and caricaturized on social media and all that kind of stuff, but it really shouldn't be a it shouldn't be a debate. It should be a pursuit like that. I, I, I was watching some history, and that's why Christianity exploded. Like under which we people think they have a hard now. Like under the Roman rule, they they could make Christians and Jews carry their bags for a mile by law they had to and, and but jesus said if they asked you carry it too and so christianity exploded because these people lived so much differently than everybody else and so that's why we're talking about there's a foundation here if you grasp these things truly first of all there's a ruler a ruler is not like hey do it if you feel like it a ruler means there's a god who says what he says is 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 a ruling verdict, mm -hmm. right? That there was a revolt. That you know, Jonathan Edwards, in 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 uh, who was like really where revive like the first great revivalist in in his sermon, which Rachel took me on a trip to on these places. But in the centers of a hand of an angry God, he 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 talks about how how we as unrepentant sinners are more vile, and this is hard for us because of our big grace culture, but um, he says that sinners in God's eyes are more vile than like a poisonous snake in our eyes or like a spider, which resonates with me because I hate spiders because they're the devil, right? But that, that same like, we heard a mouse last night and, oh. I, and just and just the thought of it, right? Just, just makes you sick. But it's just wild to think that he was like, before the grace of Jesus washing us clean. We are much more vile than that in God's eyes. And we are sinners in the hands of an angry God. We are prepared to be dropped into hell without his salvation. And so the revolt is not like this, oh, like, you know, may, you know, maybe I'll go to him or not. Like, it's like, if, if I, if I don't go to him, I'm going to spend eternity in hell. And so a lot of this is like, if we had this if we had a greater, I was asking the Lord for it this morning. If we had a greater revelation of the ruler, the revolt, the rescue, and the response, that 
the like the gospel wouldn't be something that we share when we have the opportunity. But it would be this like it'd be like this life that we live, and um, and and people would want it because we're so different and our marriages are so good and things like that. Well, and we we'd have to live our life close enough to people who are mm-hmm. who live differently, and that is uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think it's one of the things that I love, um, you know, about Jesus is he was the friend of sinners, which was a slur from the Pharisees that they would call him that. It was, they were calling him unholy. They were saying, well, there's no way you're clean because of who you spend time with. And, but because he was living so heavenly, he was kingdom minded. When people got around him, he was never affirming their sin, but they would just like, gosh, something is different and I want that. Yeah. And um, they knew they didn't know they were hungry for it until they got in his presence. And I think that there are people around us that they don't know that they're hungry until if we would just invite them to the table and show them that we were like, literally like for the sake of the analogy, feasting on the Lord, we're satisfied Mm -hmm. and they are starving. Yeah. And, you know, I just, the lifestyle that you lead, the life of the gospel would eventually bleed over. Yeah. And there's not a perfect way to do it. They call, they told John the Baptist, like he was a a legalist and stuff like that. And they said, Jesus comes and they say that he's a drunkard and a friend of sinners. You know, there, there's not. Can't please everybody. There's just, there's just you living how God has, has called you to live. And people can say what they want to say, but if people are getting saved, that's all that matters. And so Again, and we, we won't even go to the next one. Really what we want you to take some time right now, um, and, and we're, we're going to wrap here in a second, so you can just have a moment to process. Have you grasped the gospel? Like, have you grasped ruler? Have you grasped revolt? Have you grasped the, uh, the rescue and the response? Um, because it, and if we would grasp this, then... I just believe more people would be saved around us. And so it, may, it really makes me process and consider the grasp of the gospel because mm-hmm. um, I grasp it intellectually, but God didn't just save my That's intellect. That's so good, yeah. You know, cause, so, you know, because I, I grasp that there's that there's one God, right? But you know what? Uh, I, I think that people who believe in Allah and Islam believe that there's one God, you know? And so... I just I I've just been on that on that pursuit lately that God didn't just save my emotions he saved my whole being mm-hmm. he created my emotions and my intellect and all the things so mm-hmm. either way really what we want to ask you is do you have a grasp of the gospel do you have a grasp of and I, I keep saying it because I'm really hoping it just burns in our minds but a grasp of the ruler a, a one true God that loves you a grasp of the revolt that nobody else sin for you. There's not something we're blaming on anybody else mm-hmm. that you sinned and chose your own way. The rescue that Jesus lived for 33 and a half years, a perfect life, yeah. and died on the cross, fulfilled all those prophecies, didn't want to die on the cross, but did it because he loved us, strictly because he loved us. And it was the only way. And then the response that you have, Matthew 25, you have to respond. There'll be a day where people are separated um, and until people receive the rescue and the response of the loving grace of Jesus, that they're marred by their sin. Yeah. Have we in our, I just wonder, has our heart become hard toward the gospel that rescued us and allowed us to walk in the freedom we walk in? Yeah. You know, when's the last time you just, you even considered 
all of the parts of that. When's the last time you considered what Jesus really did? You know, when's the last time you just read the crucifixion? Just read from the the sham trial through um, his resurrection. When's the last time you considered the fact that God designed you? Like, go back and read Genesis 1, 2, and 3, like how God designed humanity to be in relationship with him. And just consider all that the gospel means. It is, again, we're intellectually like, sure, I've got a general idea of what's going on. But if we consider what God designed for us to experience and that we get to actually experience that, it would change quite a bit how we feel about sharing our faith. Yeah, so again, we're, we're in this book, uh, Before You Share Your Faith, really looking at ourselves from a foundational perspective. And this week, hey, have you, have you grasped the gospel? And so those win-win steps, what is next when you walk with God? Have you grasped on a intellectual and emotional level uh, the gospel and th- those four R's? And then on a who is next perspective, are there people in your life um, that whenever you look, take an inventory of the people in your life, are they being impacted uh, by your grasp of the gospel and just a gospel life that you live? And, and if not, why? Mm-hmm. You know, and then and then go back to the first step of of what is next your walk with God and and what do you need to do to further grasp the gospel in a way where it impacts you and the people around you. And so this is going to be a, a great couple of weeks together um, as as we just deal with ourselves foundationally. Uh, so that we can win our world. We're willing to do the hard work uh, so that we can fulfill our God-given purpose to win our world. So I love you. Let's win the world together this week. We'll see you next week.